Welcome to Quantum Magazine's podcast. Each episode, we bring you stories about developments in science and mathematics. I'm Susan Vallett. Dwarf galaxies weren't supposed to have big black holes. Their surprise discovery has revealed clues about how the universe's biggest black holes could have formed. That's next. Imagine you're in a lab where you've synthesized ancient DNA sequences and spliced them into modern bacteria just to see how they'd react. They needed each other, but they didn't want each other. (laughs) So, you know, it was like a very complicated relationship unfolding in front of me. This isn't Jurassic Park or some sci-fi movie. I'm Steve Strogatz, and this is The Joy of Why, a new podcast from Quantum Magazine that takes you into some of the biggest unanswered mysteries in science and math today. Join me on The Joy of Why as we explore these questions. We may not have all the answers yet, but I'm pretty sure the curiosity to figure them out is in our DNA. Subscribe to The Joy of Why wherever you get your podcasts. New episodes drop every other Thursday. In 2008, Marta Voluntary helped develop a radical proposal. Astronomers should search the smallest of galaxies for colossal black holes. These are hulking behemoths weighing many thousands of solar masses. She reasoned that if they could find them, the objects could teach us how the universe's very first black holes formed. The only problem was that big black holes weren't supposed to exist in little galaxies. Shrimpy dwarf galaxies seemed to lack the gravitational muscle needed to pack enough mass into one black hole. To many researchers, it sounded as if Voluntary and her collaborators were suggesting the astrophysical equivalent of finding a brontosaurus in a bathtub. Voluntary, who's now at the CNRS Institute of Astrophysics in Paris, talked with reporter Charlie Wood. Black holes in dwarf galaxies were not conceivable. I mean, people thought, you know, they just told me that I was crazy thinking that there are black holes in dwarf galaxies. Then astronomers started finding the beasts. In recent years, powerful telescopes and innovative observational strategies have allowed researchers to more closely scrutinize dwarf galaxies. When they do, black holes pop up. The discoveries highlight how little astrophysicists know about what types of black holes inhabit the universe and the challenges theorists face in explaining where they all came from. An increasingly accurate tally may help to finally explain the universe's earliest and biggest black holes. Ryan Hickox is an astronomer at Dartmouth College who recently helped locate one himself. When people look in different ways, there are more and more ways to find black holes in these low-mass galaxies. People keep finding more of them. You know, there may be a lot more of these things in these galaxies than we could find using the traditional techniques that we use to find them in more massive galaxies. So that argument that, oh, they're not that common, may be starting to break down a little bit. Still, dwarf galaxies are relatively uncharted astronomical territory. They're 10 to 100 times lighter than the Milky Way, and they lack the gravitational oomph to pull themselves into the tidy, round shapes amenable to theorizing. They're also patchy, dim, and generally hard to study in detail. 
or as Voluntary says. When you go to dwarf galaxies, they're a total mess. An elliptical galaxy is just a big sphere. <laughs> so, you know, you can model it analytically. A dwarf galaxy is made of three or four patches or clumps of stars. You cannot apply the same techniques. But the tiny tangles of stars harbor secrets that larger galaxies have forgotten. Researchers believe that galaxies like the Milky Way are the patchwork products of more than 10 billion years of mashups. Galaxies repeatedly smash into their neighbors, growing larger each time. Dwarf galaxies remain small, either because they've dodged encounters with other galaxies or because they've formed relatively recently and haven't had many chances to collide yet. Priya Natarajan is an astrophysicist at Yale who worked with Voluntary on the research. Natarajan is also a member of Quanta Magazine's advisory board. These tend to be the halos that have not merged that much. In terms of just the merging history, they are quieter places in the universe. In this way, dwarf galaxies resemble the earliest galaxies. Back in the universe's first billion years, when galaxies were just getting started, they forged the first stars and the first black holes. Many of those galaxies collided over time, and their black holes merged. Through some mixture of mergers and gobbling up of matter, the first seed black holes grew into the monsters boasting billions of solar masses that seem to sit at the heart of every large galaxy today. But dwarf galaxies haven't experienced many mergers, and they tend to have less matter to feed their black holes. Voluntary and Natarajan reason that these unique conditions would be more likely to freeze black holes in relatively undeveloped seed-like states. That's if dwarf galaxies have large black holes at all. Astronomers typically spot actively feeding black holes at the centers of large galaxies by the blindingly bright jets they emit. They drown out the surrounding stars. But at the time of Voluntary and Natarajan's proposal, researchers hadn't seen clear signs of such feeding frenzies in dwarf galaxies. Many astronomers even questioned their existence. Then in 2013, researchers uncovered the motherlode. Amy Rines, an astrophysicist now at Montana State University, led an analysis of data from the Sloan Digital Sky Survey. Her team was looking for energetic patterns of visible light typical of feasting black holes. Of the 25,000 or so dwarf galaxies her algorithm scoured, 151 showed signs of hosting growing black holes of hundreds of thousands of solar masses. They were unconfirmed candidates, but their number left little room for doubt. Dwarf galaxies could sculpt massive black holes. Suddenly, Voluntary's proposal seemed less radical. Now, astronomers have come up with fresh ways to find more of these hidden giants. Mallory Molina, an astronomer collaborating with Rhines at Montana State, stumbled onto a new technique by pure luck. The biggest problem that we have isn't necessarily like knowing how to look for black holes. It's mm -hmm. cutting through the very bright signal from the galaxy that can very easily hide the signal of the black hole. So Molina was trying to confirm one of Rhines's candidates from a radio survey. And in one of the objects, I detected a really strong iron 10 line, which I thought was kind of weird because 
iron 10 is typically a really difficult line to detect. And so I was like, oh, that's kind of neat that we found that iron 10 line. And then based on the other properties, we thought that it might be caused by outflowing winds. And so we're like, oh, that's kind of cool. Like I haven't really seen that in a lot of galaxies, even on the massive end. That orange glow of radiation was a telltale sign of iron atoms that had been so battered that they lost nine electrons. This is known as the iron 10 line. So the researchers checked another candidate and noticed something similar about both objects. They had that really strong corona line that is very strongly associated with black holes. While neither object had the traditional appearance of a feeding black hole, it was hard to imagine what else could be doing such violence to iron atoms. It's usually associated with black holes because you have to have like a pretty catastrophic event in a star, like a supernova or something like that to create a very strong detectable iron 10 line. Molina wrote code to search through about 46,000 dwarf galaxies observed by the Sloan Digital Sky Survey and found that 81 galaxies glimmered with the faint orange of damaged iron. Molina and their colleagues argue that in these dwarf galaxies, a giant black hole is heating the gas around it enough to blast electrons from their atoms. They published their findings in the Astrophysical Journal in November. These black holes occupy galaxies beyond the reach of previous surveys, which struggled to pick out the glimmer of active black holes against the dazzling radiance of baby stars. Molina likens the effort to looking for a flashlight while a spotlight shines into your eyes. You just can't see because of the glare. The distinct color of the iron tin line makes large black holes pop out against the background, showing that smaller dwarfs with lots of stellar nurseries can also host giant black holes. Here's Voluntary again. Dwarf galaxies are always bringing surprises. It's important not to stop at the most conventional techniques. I'm so glad to see that there are new ways of funding because, because it's been incredibly hard. They're so faint. Space telescopes have also helped reveal hidden black holes. Last year, Hickox and his student Jack Parker re-examined eight relatively nearby edge cases from Rhines's 2013 survey. They aimed NASA's space-based Chandra X-ray Observatory at each dwarf galaxy for about four hours. One of the eight galaxies had a speck at its center that shone brighter with high-energy X-rays than low-energy X-rays. This suggested that the radiation was punching through a dense cloud of gas. This is just the sort of cloud that could be completely cloaking black holes in more distant galaxies. They described their results at the American Astronomical Society conference in January. While the results raise the odds that many dwarf galaxies have massive black holes, the fraction that actually has them remains hotly debated. In 2008, astronomers would have said that fraction was near zero. The true number depends on the percentage of black holes that are actively feeding, and therefore shining, and the percentage of bright black holes that are enshrouded by gas and dust. If these percentages are similar to those observed in their supermassive siblings, massive black holes could reside in the majority of dwarf galaxies. But that's a big if. 
When Voluntary first urged astronomers to work out how common dwarf galaxy black holes were in 2008, she did it because the answer might help distinguish between two explanations for a seemingly impossible discovery. A few years before, the Sloan Digital Sky Survey had seen billion solar mass black holes dating back to the universe's first billion years. Astronomers couldn't figure out how they had gotten so heavy so quickly. It was like encountering a stand of towering redwoods on a still smoldering volcanic island. Either they had shot up incredibly fast, or they had come into being already partly grown. The find stimulated research exploring both possibilities. Some astrophysicists developed theories of extra gassy environments that would allow small seed black holes the corpses of the first stars, to experience sustained growth spurts. Others detailed ways in which special circumstances could coax giant balls of gas to skip stardom and collapse directly into a big seed, starting out life as a black hole already weighing thousands of stellar masses. The big seed theory gained popularity, in part because dwarf galaxy black holes seemed so rare. That rarity supported the idea that a special event would be needed to jumpstart growth. Now, some astronomers are wondering if the spate of new black holes partially revives the notion of small seeds. Here's Melina again. If there are a lot of little small black holes, then that kind of favors not direct collapse, but things like stars colliding or stuff like that, where it's easier to make smaller black holes. Whereas if we only saw black holes in a couple of dwarf galaxies and they were big, that would imply that the first generation of black holes were just direct clouds that collapsed. So finding this new population is kind of indicating that these smaller seed mechanisms might be correct. We don't know for sure, but like it's implying that direct collapse may not be the end-all be-all of how the first generation of black holes are formed. But recent work has complicated the debate. Natarajan has found that the cosmos could make both large and small seeds throughout its history. Still, she called the new observations super helpful for uncovering overlooked groups of black holes that formation theories will need to account for. We have an incomplete census of black holes. So first, we don't know about black holes that are heavily obscured, which the X-ray stuff is really useful in helping us uncover the obscured population. And the second is non-central black holes. And if any of them are heavy, supermassive or intermediate mass or whatever, we don't have that census either. We're slowly starting to get that. The next big piece of the puzzle will come from the James Webb Space Telescope, which launched in December. The Webb's finely tuned near-infrared instruments should pick out the radiance of black holes from even deeper in the past. This may give astronomers a more direct view of what went on in the early universe shortly after the first black hole seeds formed. It's a perspective some researchers have been anticipating for their entire careers. Matt Carlstrom helped with this episode. I'm Susan Vallett. For more on this story, read Charlie Wood's full article, Tiny Galaxies Reveal Secrets of Supermassive Black Holes, on our website, quantamagazine.org. 
Explore Math Mysteries in the Quanta book, The Prime Number Conspiracy, published by the MIT Press. Available now at Amazon.com, BarnesandNoble.com, or your local bookstore. Also, make sure to tell your friends about the Quantum Magazine Science Podcast and give us a positive review or follow where you listen. It helps people find this podcast. Mm-hmm.